Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Middle Falls Christian Center. Father, we cannot continue in this life, not the way that this world is going, with eyes wide shut. We need the revelation of your word through your Holy Spirit, the power of God to move and manifest in our lives. So Holy Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, as we worship you this morning, that so you will open up the eyes of our understanding, eyes to see and ears to hear, that we may know that we are above and not beneath, that we are the head and not the tail, that Jesus Christ alone is God and He alone be glorified now and forevermore in our lives and in the nation of South Africa. We decree it and we declare it by faith. And if you agree with me, we all say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Yes, no, no, don't be shy. Let's give God a wonderful praise offering. Amen, Amen. Thank you, band. Thank you, band. You know, when we put our hands together for God, never doubt. Do it proper. Do it proper. Because He's worthy to receive our praise. It's always wonderful to have an opportunity to minister God's Word to you. And it's always, it's always the challenge to hear right, to speak that particular message that the Lord wants us to hear. And I was just thinking in preparation of the prophetic promises and the word that had gone out over these last couple of weeks concerning our nation, South Africa, for you as the individual. And I was just wondering, how serious do we take this? Do we just come and receive a great feeling when there's a good word spoken, or do we really take it for ourselves? Because if we only leave it as a word for that night or that day or whenever it is spoken and you do not pray about it, you do not wrestle with it, you do not come in line your life with that word that is spoken, we will not have what God has spoken over the nation of South Africa. So you must go and listen concerning that which was spoken over our nation that is why we pray here on a Saturday morning concerning the things that we want for South Africa, the things that we want for this nation. We are so consumed by what is going on, about what the people say and how bad things are. And God has called the church, specifically pointing us in His Word and telling us we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our attention and our focus can never be upon man. It is always what sits behind them that drives the evil, the satanic, and the ungodly agenda. And unless our eyes are open, and unless we know the power of God's Word, we will always fail at getting what we want. Because that even in the midst of the life that we live here on the earth, God has still purposed it for us that we can all have a blessed life, irrespective of how it is going on in this world. And if we don't take that, if we don't have that for ourselves, we make this word of no value and of no power. And during this preparation this week, I was just resting in the one evening and the Lord just showed me something. He said, and He showed me a scale, but that scale was in perfect balance. And the Lord said clearly to me, this is God's scale. There's got to be two points on a scale. God's scale is in perfect balance. 
Because when you are in harmony with God, your life is also in perfect balance. And the Lord gave me one scripture and I asked him, well, give me another one. Because for me, if there are two points on a scale, there's got to be another scripture. And I was specific and I said, Lord, well, give me also an Old Testament scripture because he gave me a New Testament one. Because I like to believe that the old always speaks forward towards the new and the new always confirms the old. That is for me the, the, the double-edged sword. It is the Old Testament and the New Testament and you cannot separate them. And the first scripture that God gave was this, is 2 Thessalonians. You don't have to go there, I'll just read for you. It says then 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with his breath of his mouth. And he will destroy him by the brightness of his coming. And so God also gave a scripture in Isaiah 11 verses 4, saying this, but with righteousness, he, God, shall judge the poor and he decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. You see, for that scale to remain in perfect harmony, it is only based on what God says. We heard here, God's word is so powerful that he doesn't fight the enemy. God never enters into a battle with Satan. God just destroys him by speaking. That power is what God has availed to us. And in the early church, from the disciples, the apostles, the early church, this is what they stood on. This is why they could continue, even with the greatest of persecution that they endured. We've got it very soft today. We think it's tough what we are going through. We don't know what persecution is. These people, literally thousands of them, lost their lives because they stood on this scripture. They believed that the power that came from what God spoke was more powerful than what the enemy could throw at them. That even that when they stood in the face of adversity, they would still believe that they would speak the power of God because that still silences the enemy. That is a word that Peter writes about one of the apostles because he experienced it firsthand. And he tells all the believers, this is what we ought to do. And this is the foundation scripture for this morning. Just this one verse, 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Peter writes here under the leading of the Holy Spirit and he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And you do this with meekness, and with fear. All the believers in biblical times were challenged to do this. What was the reason why I believed? And when I was asked, I had to present my case stating why I believed what I believed. What is your answer? 
What would you say if you would appear before a court to defend why it is that you hope in what you hope for? Because this is literally what the scripture means when it says this word, always be ready to give a defense. That word defense is the Greek word apologia, and it, from, from hence comes the word apology. And we have got a different, we twisted the meaning of that word um, apology because in, in the original form, it meant this. You present an apology not for what is wrong, but what is true and right for you as if, as if it is before a court. You defend, in other words, what is your truth. In other words, every disciple, every church believer at the time, every apostle, every Christian, Peter writes, get your arguments and your defense in order because you are going to appear before man at some point in time and you must be able to defend why it is that you believe what you believe. And it starts here first, it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. It says, you must first, before you can get that defense, that reason why you hope in what you're hoping for, before you can do that, you have to sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That means you simply for yourself have to determine by setting the holiness and the sovereignty of God aside for yourself, knowing what place He takes in your life. If God takes that place in your life, it will be then easy for you to defend that on which you stand. Every believer, every believer in the years gone by, especially during these early years of the church, had to know and had to present that because they faced adversity like never before. And God says here, we must do this with meekness and with fear, meekness is yeah, kindness and gentleness. In other words, we don't go around boastful and arrogantly tell the world, you are wrong, you are going to hell, I am saved and I'm fine. That is now, that's not how God wants us to do this. And it says you with fear. And somebody says this, we fear God so little because we fear man so much. Oswald Chambers said this about fear. The fear of God. He said, the fear of God is such a wonderful thing that if you fear God, you fear nothing else. But if you don't fear God, you will fear everything else. And this is how we ought to defend this. Why must we do this? Why does God put this scripture in here and Peter can write this? Because firstly, Peter had experience in this. When we do this, it gives us the purpose of why we live as a Christian. You define for yourself what is that hope that I am clinging to. That is my purpose in life. Then it helps me to keep my focus because if I have the purpose, my focus will be fixed on the purpose that I have because in the end, it clarifies what my future is in where I am going in this life. And every believer, every one of the early church, believed in this. They spoke this and they believed in this. Our Lord Jesus Christ, when He appeared before the Jewish Sanhedrin on the day that He was crucified, He stood there and they brought all these witnesses before Him. Everyone speaking lies, conspiring to lie. And what did our Lord Jesus do? He kept silent because the truth 
He was defending the truth by not even giving an answer to the lies that were presented. So much so that the high priest in the end lost his cool, so to speak, that he said, well, tell me then, are you the son of God? Because none of the witnesses that they brought could even bring any accusation against Christ. And he said, it is as you said. And he tore his clothes and everybody thought, at last we've got him. We're going to kill the Messiah. They looked so much forward to killing Jesus. And you know what? Jesus was welcoming because they thought they're going to stop him. And he, and he, there that moment, he could not hold back by going to the cross because he knew at last the time had come that I'm going to take to the cross every sin and it will be nailed and the power of it will be broken. Nothing would stop him from that. That is the power that we have available to us. Stephen himself, when he appeared before all the Jewish leaders, it is said in the last verse of Acts 6, before he even opened his mouth, even the Jewish leaders, the ones in the end said, yes, crucify or stone him. They said they saw his face look like that of an angel. Before he even opened his mouth, that was the anointing and the power of God that was on that man. And when he spoke, these were words that told them why he had this hope that he could believe in. You see, the mistake we make is that when we believe we've got this opportunity to speak or whenever we need to speak about who God is and why we're hoping in what we believe in, is that we think, I'm not worthy. I cannot speak because I'm too shy. I'm not able to do this. And we fail at that because that is not why God has put that hope in us, to speak in what we believe in. You see, we think we must convince people of our faith. We think we must introduce them to Christ and we need to get them saved. And we put all that pressure on us. God never puts that pressure on us because that is God's function of doing that. All you must do is go and speak the truth. How the truth is defined for you. Because God's word says, it is the truth that shall set you free. All of us at some point in time had somebody who spoke, who preached a message, or you saw the work of God at hand, and you realized, I need to change. That is the power of God at work. None of those people were asked, or God depended upon them to change you or to save you. That is God's responsibility. We must be able to defend the reason of our hope, like our Lord did, like the early believers did, like Stephen did. And when in preparation of this, I asked myself, what is my defense? What would be my reason why I believe in what I believe? I'll be honest, I couldn't find a definitive answer. You know, I read the Bible, I've read it, I've got, I can muster up an argument or a statement that, that, that works for me. But I realized in my heart I didn't have a definitive answer. And at that moment, immediately the Lord put something in my heart and He said, just look and for you, and this is for me, I'm not saying that you must take it for you, you're welcome to do so, but that's for me. The Lord said, the life of Jesus Christ. That is where you put your hope in. Then the Lord said specifically, the five stages of the life of Jesus. His birth, His birth was divine. It was supernatural. It was not anything to do with man. Then the life that he lived, he lived a sinless life. 
The Word of God says, He who knew no sin, which is Christ, became sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Then he's death. Jesus welcomed death because through that, the sting of death and the power of death was broken. His death ushered in new life. And we would think in, that that is the average life, the birth, the life, and the death of a person. But that God pointed out two more, the five stages of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth one is resurrection. That is the proof that we all live a life where our faith is based on a living God. His grave is empty. We serve a living God. It is said of Him, He is the first fruit of the resurrection. It means that there's eternal life waiting for us. And then there is the ascension of Christ. Death could not hold Him. The earth was not going to hold Him because His mission on earth was finished, but now His mission in heaven was going to start. And what is that? That He forever lives to intercede for us. And where does our Lord Jesus do that? On the throne at the right hand of the Father. And I thought, God, this is wonderful. You've given me something solid that I can hold on to. And God said, I'm not finished. He said, because your life is exactly intertwined with those, those five stages and phases of Jesus Christ. Because you too are now born again. That is divine and that is supernatural. I am born of above and of beneath. I'm born of water and I'm born of spirit. That is God's doing. And the life that I now live and that you hopefully also live is that we live in Christ. No longer do we lust for the things of the flesh anymore. The Word of God says, walk in the spirit and do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is the new life that we live. And then death. We all die daily because we crucify the flesh. We no longer live the life that we used to do. No one here should still speak the same things that you used to speak when you were not saved. You're not supposed to, to think the same, same, same things or do the same things because that is we die to the old just as Christ died to usher in the new because now eternity is waiting for me and I am resurrected in Christ. The Word of God says that just as Christ was raised in the glory of the Father, so too I am raised in the newness of life. So my life is in Christ and just as Christ ascended to the heaven, so the time will come when the catching away of the church, we will ascend into the heavens. Where will we meet Him? It says, in the air we will meet Him. That is our defense. That is the one that the Lord gave to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. We must be able to give an answer to that defense of who is He for you and what has He done for you that makes you want to stand up and shout it and cannot be silent about this? For most of my early life, I thought that I was saved. I was told certain things in the Word of God and I believed them and that was sufficient for me. Then a day would come that I would see a man of God praying for a man on a sick bed, a paralytic, and this man would be raised. And I realized I don't know this God. Who is this God? Because I was never taught about this God who still does it today. You see, we are taught in many times, yes, what God does in the Bible is true. The things that have happened, true, but it stayed there. That's what I believed. And then I saw this and I felt angry and I felt cheated. But God answers this in Scripture too. Colossians 2 verses 8 says this. 
Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men. It's the tradition of men that is killing Christianity because we believe what people say and that's sufficient for us. None of the disciples or the apostles or the early church accepted that. None of them. It wasn't good enough. Why would they believe in Christ? Because they personally experienced the power of God. They saw it. They stood in the face of adversity and they did not step backwards because it was not enough for them to just know it, but they experienced it. They had proof that it was real. It goes on in the scripture and it says, also, according to the basic principles of the world we are taught, this world is in a mess. If we dare to hold on to any principle in this world, we are lost and we will never find our way because God's Word contradicts everything that this world is throwing at us. It says here, we are, we've believed these things and not according to Christ. We cannot fall for that. No, in the, the early church, you know, for 300 years, 300 years, they suffered such persecution they were thrown to hungry lions as a show to the rest to enjoy how these people were torn apart by these hungry lions. They were impaled on a stick. Oil was thrown on them and they were set alight like human torches. Those are just some of the things that happened. What did they do? They found a reason for their defense and they did not back off because they knew who Christ was for them and they would not renege on that. They would not stand back. We've got it easy today because we allow this world to influence us in our thinking and we're softening ourselves, accepting certain things which the early church would never have done. 300 years they suffered this persecution that it is written in the history that more or less after 3,000 years the cruelest of all rulership, the Roman Empire came to its knees. And you know what they write the reason for that is? The predominant reason, they blame it on one thing, Christianity. Because this is written, the Romans of the time wrote this, we could not get the Christians to accept the Roman gods. They stood their ground because they knew, they knew their hope. They could defend it and they could speak it because they've experienced it. Because like that scale, they kept the scale in perfect balance because they did not add to it. They did not add worries and fear and doubt and panic. They kept it to God's Word and they only trust in God's Word. And this is what we have available for us in this time that we are living in. This is how we will overcome this world. You see, when you have for yourself that definition, what is your defense? What can you present as the reason why you hope in what you hope in? If you've got that answer, that will determine how you're gonna stand in the face of adversity because difficulty and hardship is gonna come to each and every single one of us. And how you answer that by that scripture will determine, are you gonna stand or are you going to fall? You see, by the year 313 AD, let me tell you the power of the work of those early Christians, because for the first time in the history of the Roman Empire, they had a Christian Roman Emperor, Constantine. From the most hated to now suddenly you have a Christian, 
a Christian leader in the Roman Empire. By the early 300s, they say Rome was evangelized by more or less 10% of them were Christians. By 350 AD, more than half of Rome were Christians. They stood their ground. The power of God's word was in their mouth. They would not change and they would not add to it. They were in perfect unison with their God. And that same God is our God. If you stand your ground, if you can define for yourself who Christ is for you, someone out there is going to be touched by your truth because you don't have to defend the truth. You only have to speak the truth and others will come to the light because greater is He that is in us than he that is in this world. Today, we are 2.6 billion Christians in this world. That's more than half, oh, sorry, that's more than a third of this world. More than a third of this world are Christians. And yet, most Christians cannot find for themselves the reason why they believe. They cannot share this with someone else, that when they appear before a court, they would not be able to defend their faith. What is that hope? I want to go to a scripture that is so powerful. Hebrews 10 verses 23. This is why the apostles and the believers at the time could hold on to their faith. It says here, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises, he who promises, he is faithful. He is faithful. Whatever you do in this life, live it to walk in victory because it has already been established for you. And the church is the vehicle that God is looking at. You are that person that the Lord is looking at to be that light out there in this world. Don't look at why you, of all the things that fall short in your life, why you're not able to do this. But just look at this and say like the Lord asked his prophet, whom shall I send? Whom shall I send? Because God didn't clarify what he was going to do to the prophet. He just said, here I am, Lord, send me. Because there is a dying world out there. And God says, judgment starts at the house of God. It starts here with all of us. I'll read you that scripture just to prove that I'm not just speaking it, but I'm confirming it by God's word. 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, the believers, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? In you, God is looking at that person to represent the truth out there. And none of us can say, I have no one. None of us live the life of a hermit where you do not come into contact with others, but just be ready. The disciples, the apostles, and the early church did not ask, Lord, where shall you send me? They just said, Lord, here I am. And they stood in the face of death and they did not give in. If they could do it. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 11, there's such a cloud of witnesses They've gone before us. They spoke of the beauty of Christ which was to come. They didn't taste it themselves. We are. We are tasting it. 
and yet we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses. And you are the ones that they are cheering on because you and I have what even the, the disciples had it to an extent, but they didn't have it only after Christ died, but they had the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where the power of God's Spirit moves. These are the three things, and I'm closing off with this, for me that has kept me coming back to this church. I never make any church better than the other. All I know, I am at the best church, for me, for me. And those three things in the 22 years always brought me back to this place. One, we're a church who prays. We don't just talk, we pray. Come to a Saturday morning and you will see how we pray because we will have what God declares about the nation of South Africa. For me in this season, as well as for my children and my children's children, that is why I believe in the power of prayer. Number two, we've always been a place who worship God. The way how we enter into God's presence, through singing, through worshiping, and through music, I believe this is the best place that does that because the anointing comes when you enter into the presence of God through worship. And the third thing is, is the power of God's presence through His Holy Spirit, where the gifts flow. It is evident. I have experienced this in my own life. I have fasted and I have prayed. And there came financial breakthrough. I have prayed and prayers were answered. I was sick and I was in pain and prayers were answered because I know the power of God's Spirit work in this house. Not because we are special, but because He is special and we allow Him to move the way that He's supposed to move. And if you want this, yes, hallelujah. And if you want more of this, you should not miss tonight. Come, because in the evenings now, we move as the Spirit leads. You want breakthrough? You want answers? You want prayers to be answered? You come in this evenings. Put it aside. You come for the morning, but put the evening there as well, because you will not be disappointed. God has never turned His back on anyone who has a desire for Him. Come. You've got nothing to lose by coming tonight. Let's bow our heads for a moment, please. Because when we bow our heads before God, we also bow our hearts before God. Some of you have been going through a really rough time and you feel that you've actually moved more away from God than closer to Him. God is not taking His eye off you. If it's time for you to make a comeback to God, then this is something that I would like to pray for you. If that is you, I want you to please where you are, just raise your hand for me because you are so precious. Thank you, thank you. Praise God. Please keep those hands up for me. Thank you, thank you. Yes. Oh, let's look at this. The hands are coming up. Please keep it up because you are the VIPs. If you have never, remember what we said, the power of God for the early church was that they spoke as God speaks and He silences Satan. Therefore, we have to speak and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of our lives. And if you've never done this for yourself, I want you also to raise your hand because I would love to lead you in prayer that you know that by the power of your words that you are saved. That's what the Word of God declares in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10. That if we confess with our mouth speaking that Jesus Christ is Lord, it says we will be saved. If that is you, please raise your hands also for me. And I'm not going to drag this out. Can I, all those hands, please keep them up for me where you are. Where you are right now, just please stand for me. Whilst every 
head is still bowed. Please just stand for me, all you precious people. Please stand, please. I want you to know that you're, please, wherever you are, please just come to the front for me. Please just come wherever you are. Let's just come out of the seat. We won't be long. It'll literally take a few minutes. We want to pray for you. The whole church wants to pray for you. Amen. Yes, let's welcome them. Because today they enter into the kingdom of God. Wonderful. Please come. Don't let the enemy hold you back. Wonderful. Wonderful. You are standing here and you are VIPs. In God's sight, you are VIPs. I want to say to you today, leave everything behind, that which have been bothering you and have burdened you. Because greater is he that is in this world. That's in you, that is he who is in this world. Nothing that the enemy throws at you will overcome you. Because if you accept Jesus Christ, please, these two gents, please, just look at me for a moment. Your life changes today. There's a beloved brother and sister behind you who loves you so much that they're just going to spend a minute with you. Just take some details and pray for you. Your time for change is yet today. You must know this. In boldness, you came to the front, and the Lord sees that. The brokenness and the hurt and the pain, He's turning around for you today. And you're going to discover who God is for you. Because he's called you by name and there's a plan for your life. Never doubt that. Any word that any person ever said about you, you put it now before God and you accept only what God says. Can I ask that every one of us just raise our hands to them and you in the front here and you in the back. Please repeat these following words after me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. And I thank you, Father, for saving me today. I forgive all people that have sinned against me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ. Create in me a clean heart. And write my name in the heaven's book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a praise offering for this. Let's praise our God, amen. Let's stand, everyone, let's stand. The army of God is standing here. Your words will silence the enemy because no person could ever stand against the truth. And when you speak that truth, when you find that truth for you, others will be touched and changed and impacted by that. That is the power of your confession, of your words. Amen. Let's raise our hands to the heavens as we bring this service to a close. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that is still at work at the hearts of people. The evidence is here because there are people who are making right with you today. And there are the servants behind them who are faithful and diligent, whom we are so grateful for. Therefore, Father God, we pray that the blessing of God that you send through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be upon your people. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship 
of the Holy Spirit be with all of us now and forevermore. The Lord God bless you and keep you. He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord God lifts up His countenance over you and He grants you His eternal peace. In Jesus' name we pray this. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.